very welcome to Exploring Irish Seat Savers on Scarif Bay Community Radio. My name is Jim Collins and I'm here with, I suppose, the people who founded Irish Seat Savers in the first place, Anita and Tommy Hayes. You're both very welcome to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Tell us, Anita, um, first of all, tell us about yourself, maybe. Uh, You came from the U.S.? Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, and I suppose um, my family, I grew up in in the Midwest, and my family bought a farm in Bremen, which is a small town. I grew up in Columbus City, but they bought a a small farm in Bremen, which was Amish country, and when I was in my maybe 14, 15, and they weren't farmers, but we spent time out there, and I got to, um, it was a beautiful life. A lot of small grain farms, an intact life. And in the, the late 70s, commodity grain farming came in, and all those small farms were wiped out. And maybe so the, the, the whole community kind of died in a very painful death, actually, as has been repeated all over the world now. Um, and in a few years after that, the land was sold for oil exploration. So this beautiful farmland was dotted with oil rigs which produced nothing. So I didn't think about it as a young teenager, it's just my experience, but it must have had a big impact on me um, because I think the fragility of, at uh, the beauty and the fragility of a way of life, you know, I got to witness it really. Yes. So I guess that's the beginning of my journey about the fragility of things and how important it is to take care of them. Okay, and it set you on your way. I think so, un, un, unwittingly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't realize these things until you get older and go, oh, you know, that was really an important moment. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Tommy, your story is maybe a little bit different. Slightly. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about where, where are you originally from? I'm from Gildangwan, County Limerick. And, uh, God, yeah, I've been trips around the world for the last 30 odd years, 40 odd years, and I was living in America when I met Anita. So that's kind of where the yes. where the connection happened. Um, I was living in Portland, Oregon, actually, last time I lived in the town. And um, we met, we met when I was playing a gig. We met, we met at the gig and we got together and we moved back here in, what year was it? 89? Mm-hmm. 89. And we were living, <coughs> we moved around to Fairbit and we ended up buying a place in Carlow down uh, near St Mullins, beautiful, lovely part of the world. And I, have, I've, I still remember, Anita went for a walk one morning with the eldest fella and she came back and went, I think I want to start a, a seed saving organisation in Ireland. Yes. And I kind of went, ah, sure, why not? Yes. <laughs> As you do. Yes. <laughs> not realising what it was going to turn into. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the, And you, I mean, Anita had a had done agriculture, you studied agriculture in the States, uh, in Olympia, Washington, where we were living, in Evergreen State University, which was a very um, interesting 
place. You could you could you could devise your own program actually, which was which was not a thing that was heard of in those days. Um, and so yeah, when we moved back here, that's kind of that's kind of how how it, how, how, how we started. Yeah, yes. yeah. So tell us about your your um, studying agriculture. Obviously, it came from your experience as a child. I think, I think for myself, and actually I suppose if you talk to three quarters of the people here, you know, um, I don't know how, how you feel, but, you know, as a child, my favorite place to be was up a tree. You know, my safe place to dream was always outside. And that, car it still carries me, actually. Um, that's home. Yes. Wherever I've lived, that's home. And um, I had been uh, done various different things in my life for work. But that was kind of the constant gardening, growing food, being in nature, camping. Um, so I decided to take a break. I was working as a hospice nurse, decided to take a break and um, do something that I just loved, just for the love of it. And so I went back to, to college to study ecological agriculture. And in the process of that, I learned of the uh, American Seed Savers Association, which is 10 years older than this one. So that's 40 it's 40 years now. Uh, very inspiring place. So, you know, th there's there they, they sort of created as they went the template. The lovely thing about seed saving in general is that there's no head. <laughs> it's yeah. just a rolling hand to hand over continents and generations and people. And you're part of a much bigger web. thing. Part yeah. of a much bigger web. And um, when I came here, Tommy and I had a small farm uh, in Carlo, and um, for me, it was it was a very poor time in Carlo, the late '80s, and I thought I was in heaven. You know, there was such peace; people worked together. Money wasn't the driving thing because people didn't have much. Um, so we started growing our own food, and I tried to connect to seed-saving organizations in Ireland, and there weren't any. And I, you know, um, I, 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 you know, was, I was learning the difference of agriculture here to America because I came from a very vibrant agricultural awakening there of seed saving and uh, looking at people starting NGO organizations, you know, on a song and a dream, you know, to work with um, acid rain and GMO. It was it was very vibrant. And here, it was sort of just the beginning of organic agriculture getting a footing. So we had our little farm. There were no seed-saving organizations. We were trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out, how do I find a place here? And we thought, oh, maybe we'll try growing garlic as a commercial, <laughs> as a commercial crop. Oh, so yeah. uh, coming from my training, you know, I did the rainfall and the soil type and the depth and all that stuff and wrote to um, the Department of Agriculture or Chagas and said, this is what we'd like to do as a commercial crop. Could you give me any recommendations? Because in, in the States, the state agricultural advisors is still a very, I don't know if it is now, but was a very alive thing of supporting small farmers. <laughs> and I got back a letter, I should have saved it, that just said it hasn't been done and it can't be done. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, so for me it was like, oh, that's very strange. Words, words of encouragement. <laughs> very strange, <laughs> Tommy. And so being a bloody-minded person, this probably predates seed savers, being a kind of you know stubborn person, we decided to grow 10,000 head of garlic. <laughs> and you could smell our little farm from down the lane and people thought we were nuts. But anyway, so... so um, 
so yeah, so then we just yeah. decided to begin because um, just looking for like-minded people basically. And in the Irish Times, uh, so we started, I got in touch with different people trying to find, I mean, I, I'm not a seed saving, I'm an amateur seed savers. I started as an amateur seed savers and I'm still one, an experienced amateur seed yes. savers. Um, and started to try and f make connections with scientific people or agricultural people and to see if they were interested or knew how to go. And what's the name of the guy who does the Eye on Nature, who still does Michael it? Michael Viney. Yeah, <coughs> I wrote yeah. to him and said, I'd love to start this organization. Could you put this in <coughs> your paper and just see if there's any interest? So he did it. And there was interest. And anyway, it's kind of rolled on from there. So there was a little network of people on the ground going, gosh, that's a really good idea. You know, keep us involved. Um, and some of the people that I contacted were of great help. Um, yeah. Jeremy Cherifus, who's still a member of the Irish, founding member of the Irish Seed Savers, he was uh, the head of the Heritage Seed Library in England at the time. I went to meet him. He gave me some seeds in my hands of varieties that were Irish varieties. So we had a way to start. Um, down, Jack. Down, 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 Jack. Don't go. Um, <laughs> Uh, and got in contact with um, Dr. Hannerty, Michael Hannerty, who is of, you know, kind of a key person to the whole saving of Irish apples. Uh, found my way through him to Dr. Lamb, who had done the original research on the Irish apple. So I guess my contribution was, was having the passion and the energy to follow mm. the threads. But you needed to get in touch with the scientific community as well. Obviously, as, and as well as the growers on the ground, so they kind of grew together, and and actually, I think at, at the time it was a little moment. It probably happened just at a magic moment, where the people in the scientific community knew this was important. You know, the um, it was clear that that things were changing, but it wasn't in the remit of their jobs to do it. They weren't paid to do it, so they didn't have time to do it. Um, and it was just a little moment where nobody asked me where my PhD was or, you know, it was just kind of like, that's grand if you'll do the work for nothing. Yes, <laughs> you, you brought the enthusiasm. <laughs> Off you go and we'll support you. And that's all that, that, that we needed, really. Um, Tommy was really integral to it. I was traipsing all over the country. Yes, she was getting lost on <laughs> regular, yes. regular, regular basis. Yeah. You kept her on the straight <laughs> and narrow. I wouldn't quite go that far. <laughs> no. But as, 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 as I traipsed around in communities, you know, talking to people. It was people in communities who said, I'll, I'll help you. I know where this is. I know who that is. So really from somebody who was knew nothing, you know, there were always people who said, that's a really good thing to do. You know, nobody ever asked me, what are you doing with my apple tree? Are you making money for my apple tree? It all came, everything came from yeah, such yeah, a good yeah. heart. Yes. Everything, top and to bottom. In the beginning, um, you started you started on apple trees no we started no? on vegetables as well oh. that we were growing and and you know growing crops and saving them in carlo and giving them away and <laughs> we, we owned by them <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and we started a, a little newsletter that we sent out to people who wanted to join us and 
um, we weren't exactly living high off the hog there. And anyway, and uh, it was it was kind of a magical chain. You know, we had a friend mm. visiting from the States, an artist who was drawing in Cavan, who lent us the money for one of our early newsletters that we didn't have the postage for, you know. <laughs> this sounding like really old people, but that's <laughs> the way it actually was. And uh, she introduced us to, us to Charlie Robinson, who saved all the apple varieties in Cavan. Yes. An amazing man, he so and his brothers. That's his rose there. That's his rose there. That beautiful, beautiful rose is a rose that he saved. Red rose. Yeah. A, a, a rare, because it's a, a, a hugely abundant climbing red rose with a scent. Yeah. And those three things don't go together really yes. easily. Yeah. Anyway, so I think you're getting the, hi the hint that it wasn't yeah. me. It was me following, having the privilege to follow one person to the next person to the next person, all yeah. wanting to do the same to, to preserve what's special. But it does sound like you were the catalyst which brought these people together. Would that be true? Tommy? Oh yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, I'll, I'll, I have some very vivid memories of her coming back uh, after going to a some estate looking at the apple trees and there was a garden party in progress. <laughs> so <laughs> so she, get she got invited into the garden party yeah. <laughs> as well as... Fringe benefits. Fringe benefits have us looking at the apple trees. <laughs> but yeah, no, she was definitely the catalyst. With me, you know, I think without her it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And when you talk about seeds and you were talking about vegetable seeds, I mean, give us examples, <laughs> or maybe if you can or if you can remember, of, of the type of of vegetables and the different, you know, the, I suppose the difficulties of getting different varieties. Well, see, I think what happened again, it was always through one person talking to another person. I don't know if you remember Richard Douthwaite. He died a few years ago. He was very a front runner of looking at energy in Ireland and dependence on oil and its, you know, kind of web of how it affects us all. He had been in touch with people in uh, the Wellsborn Gene Bank in England, and there had been a man, uh, was his name Murphy? Yes, who, did, who, did who had done research work, yeah. here on <coughs> brassicas in the 70s. And he was the only person who we could find who had done any formal collecting of vegetable crops here. Um, Dr. Land tol told me about vegetable crops, pea crops, and different brassicas that had been developed, and obviously there was work on grains. The potatoes were still being saved, um, I think, as a, as a kind of a labor of love of people working in the Department of Agriculture up in Donegal. But uh, the, there wasn't any official collections done anywhere, which was... Yeah, the, the genetic conservation just wasn't on the government map yet. It was just a moment just before it happened. Yeah. And, um, but, but this collection, thank goodness, was in Wellsbourne in England. And that's, they're still working on that collection here now. No, I presume there would have been commercial companies, uh, you know, like Sutton's or various other type of commercial companies who would have a certain bank of, of seed. And not, not, open, not open pollinated. <coughs> they would have had uh, what's known as F1 hybrids, yeah. which don't breed through. You can't, you can't save seed from a lot of them. They, they won't breed through the following year. So it's the open pollinated ones, which the companies are not interested in because they can't control them. Okay. And the open pollinated ones are the one are, are are the actual seeds that have been saved for millennia. Yes, you know, and f I just she was talking there about about, about the Wellsburn. We also got in contact with the Vavilov. Uh, seed bank in, in St. Petersburg in Russia and Nikola Vavilov was the father of, mo of modern agricultural genetics. He was the one who figured out where things grew and, 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 and seed saving and 
they used to send us seeds and they used, they used to come in a, in a, in a brown parcel with wrapped in twine with a, an actual seal. It was like something from the 1950s. It was, I, I wish I'd kept on some of those because they blew me away yes. the first time I saw them, you know. But yeah, yeah. And so. it was such a shame because Tommy and I, you know, people, people were helping us, but, you know, it got a little overwhelming, really. So we just, and we had a farm and two small kids. We did the very, very, very best we could, but we didn't video anybody. We didn't tape record anybody. We didn't photo, we couldn't have, we weren't documenting ourselves. Yes. We were racing ahead of ourselves because once it started, you know, it was, it, if somebody had done this work 20 years before us, it would have been much better. Yeah. But I think we were right at a cusp and and very shortly after that, the genetic conservation um, board was established in in the Department of Agriculture. And there's been a very good relationship between Irish Seed Savers and them for as long as it's been there, really. And that's still going on here now. The National Irish, well, yeah, I know you interviewed Jeremy. The National Apple Collection is here. And and Dr. Lamb was. Um, kind of shocking to me. I'm about the age he was when I went to him. <laughs> I kind of think, oh God, I thought he was such an old guy. Yes. <laughs> um, but he was also very willing, and I, I just drove up his drive, a beautiful uh, Woodfield house in, in Burr, and and had, I had had a copy of his PhD, which was like a treasure map. You know, he just didn't identify where the trees were, but he identified the townland and the identifiers of the trees. On his bicycle. Yes. Yeah. So we've heard the story, I'm sure. But I went up to his door and said, I'd love to do this. This is what's happening. I can't identify apples properly. If I do the legwork, will you identify them? So, you know, that's what we did for many years together. I drove okay. around, came back to his house with boxes of apples, and he would go yay or nay. And it, it, you know, you'd think, I think anywhere along the way, if somebody had slammed the door and said no, you know, it probably would have stopped. Yes. If he'd said no, if Dr. Yeah. Hennedy had said no, there'd be no mm. apple collection. But you met with positive response. Every door opened. Yeah. And, yeah. and the first picture, because we put out signs, a beautiful artist, actually, her artwork is still kind of the logo of Seed Savers, Railteen Murphy, who lived near us in, in uh, Carlo. She, she not only did that beautiful design that's lasted 30 years, beautiful calligraphy artist, she also did a beautiful, um, we don't even have one of those. No, poster. A, b a beautiful poster of the, the names of the missing apples. You know, very <laughs> like a piece of art. Yes. How we didn't save one is a sign <laughs> of how overwhelmed we were. Yeah. Um, but we put it up in nursing homes and we put it up in community centers. So, so we, had, we had the names out there. Um, so I, I actually did a track. I actually recorded a oh track yeah. of an, an eater naming the apples, and I did a, a track underneath it. And I think that got played on the radio quite a few times yeah. at the time. So yeah, yeah. So we just. Yeah. Put I'm just the word thinking out there. of of would say veg apple seeds are no to a complete novice and amateur. Uh, at least apple trees they grow and they grow for a long time and they produce apples over a long period. Vegetable seeds on the other hand are, are much more short term would that be right? So you would be depending on on growers and on enthusiasts like yourself over the decades or over the centuries to have retained over the millennia, over yes, millennia. To, to retain seed and to store it and to share it and to share it yes i think i think um the interesting thing the seed savers in the states at a certain point they don't do it now but it was fascinating and it must have been a, a monumental amount of work 
what they did there was they somebody um, identified every seed that was for sale. Say of brassicas, these are the broccolis and cabbages and cauliflowers and kale and etc. that are on sale now. This is an open pollinated varieties. This is what you can buy off the shop. They do it one year and then they do it the next year and see how many varieties have been dropped by the companies and the next year and see how many varieties have been dropped by the companies. So it wasn't, and it was showed this huge drop of these open pollinated varieties and it's those ones that we all depend on to share. Yes. The other ones you can grow and enjoy and you know, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to do that. Yes. But in terms of, you know, thinking long term, it doesn't work. So that, that, I think our dream in the beginning was that seed, that seed bank. Yes. Uh, it would seem like an impossible dream. But okay. people, all the people who came here and worked so hard and continue to work so hard, it just keeps rolling over. And everybody who works here, it, it, it's a monumental effort. It's a huge responsibility. And um, thank God they've all done it. What prompted you to move to Scarif from <laughs> Carlo? Steiner School. <laughs> and this was the only piece of land we could afford. <laughs> and the only piece of land we could afford. Yeah. We, got the, the, we started off with that um, piece across the road, and there was two acres with it, and, an, and, a, and a ruin of a house which we bought from James Wiley from Drewsborough. And as time went on, that, that, that kind of... We started growing there and using that and saving seed in the kitchen. <coughs> and then the, his son, Tommy Wiley, who's probably still around here, I'm not sure, came to us one day and said the father was selling, wanted to sell the, the land behind that. And um, though we'd no money. And on the, the day before, it's a great story actually, the day before it was due to go for sale, to go for auction, two people arrived here and wanted to see what we were doing. One was an English couple, um, and another was an American woman who was involved in seed saving in the States. And by the end of that, we walked around, had a look, and looked at the land that we were trying to trying to get the money for. They lent us the money to buy that land. Almost. Almost. Yeah, still still to get a mortgage, we still to get a mortgage, but they lent us the money to buy that land. Close yes. enough to it. Yes. In the space of 24, 24 And hours. actually, actually kind of in the theme of the whole thing, it was a little like fairy tale, <laughs> because the, the English couple... Um, he was an ecological theologian, which at that time was a Jesuit scholar. And at that time, the church wasn't, you know, he was trying to get the church to use organic wafers. You know, he was trying to go back to the original teachings of Christ about the relationship. He was a lovely man, yeah, very yeah. lovely man. He's, he's and passed he, away he, since. Yeah, he has. He passed away a few years ago. He, um, Tommy, can you help me so he's not bothering <laughs> Sorry. Come he's here, Jack. Jack come here. Um, oh, he's after your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, he was walking around here <coughs> and really looking at it. And he said, you don't know what's going to, you don't know what could happen here. You don't know what could happen here. Yeah. So I, he, he, he said, you might need this piece of land in the future. And he took out it, uh, his checkbook and he wrote a check for 10,000 pounds. Amazing. And Tommy and I were like, they didn't ask us for any collateral. He didn't say, you know, how am I going to get my money back? He just said, this might be really important. And so it was that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's only here because of people being yeah. so incredibly trusting their own hearts. Yeah. Yes. And I suppose, and uh, just up the road at the time in Cooling Bridge, was the Steiner School? Yes. Which presumably your children went to. Yeah. No, that, that's no. That would have been in Raheen, uh, in Tumgrani. Yes. That's that should have moved to Tumgrani. Yeah. Yeah. So they went to that. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it must have been a huge... Uh, presumably the expense didn't stop when you bought the place. Um, you had to you had to keep it going and um, well, develop, I suppose, a, a commercial... To, to there, it's, there's no commercial anything. I mean, mm. it, it has to survive. It's a non-profit. Yeah. But, it, but what made a huge difference was, um, I'd say, before she came, we were really on our nibs, really, um, in terms of energy. And as well, Bridget Carlin was the first um, manager that came here, and she was instrumental in getting a FOSS scheme going. So it was through that that there were more people working, and that really began it on its... I mean, I'm not a manager, you know, I'm more of a researcher, I suppose, and yes. a dogged yeah. perseverer, kind of. But um, so she started it on, on, on its way of becoming more of a proper organization, so to speak. Although it had a, it had a constitution and it was a legal entity as a, non, as a non-profit and as a charity. Because we realized very quickly that what we had was very valuable. Yes. And, um, you know, it's all priceless, actually. So before it became um, what it is, what it started to become, it, it had been made safe you know, from commercial exploitation. So, so yeah, and everybody's, it's been very hard work for every manager ever since to employ all these people and find a way oh. to keep going. Although now it's, you know, it's a different environment now. You know, the the importance of it is, is something that many people are willing to support now. It's still not easy, I'm sure, because the needs have grown much, much, much bigger. But certainly in those early years, uh, it was a huge struggle. And some of the people who worked on that FOSS scheme are still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, and it's drawn, you know, amazingly talented young people. And yeah, it's, it's quite humbling to see. It must be a, a great thrill when you come across a new or an old variety that you, you hadn't got before or that you had heard about or that maybe you never heard about. It must be, for you as a researcher, it must be a great thrill when that happens. I think I think because um, I mean I don't have any Irish connections. I, I'd never been to Ireland when we moved. I just took a huge leap of an adventure <laughs> and came <laughs> seven months pregnant. <laughs> and and, uh, and trust and trust and love. Yeah, yes. and love. Um, so for me, I, I and I'm still quite ignorant, you know. But I was totally ignorant there about about Irish history, except for the famine. And and I I had a I was very it was it was it was felt like a real privilege and a sacred privilege to stumble upon things a sacred privilege, and that happened most wandering around with the the apple trees and you'd see them tucked away, and there'd be farms that were protecting them for generations and people apolo- apologizing for how untidy the yard was and I was like. My God, you know, I didn't understand at all. I get, we were growing vegetables, and I was bringing vegetables to my neighbors, and they were going, or eggs, and they'd be going, no, no, we'll get them from the shop. <laughs> and I'd come home, because I was insulting them, and I didn't realize it, you know, that you didn't do that. Um, and, and so I got a real sense in a visceral way of the impact of the famine, you know, that there was some disconnect from, there was something, there was something shame associated with, with, you know, keeping an old tree or, you know, I don't, I don't want to mm. misspeak, but all, yeah. all I could say is I didn't understand it. Some, it's so different from people who are so proud in the States of what they saved, and that's how they saved so much, generation to generation to generation. And I suppose that was also at a cusp in Ireland of 
now it's very respected. Now it's kind of very treasured. But at that, just at that moment, it must have just been a moment when it was meant to all happen. Yes. So coming to there, I felt like it was a really sacred moment for me. And you'd be, th there's an air in these old orchards where you feel history, really. Yeah. The sharing, and you mentioned, you've mentioned the sharing a few times. Uh, I suppose it's one thing to, you know, mind an old variety and protect it and everything. But I mean, obviously people were, were happy to share it as well. People were very happy to share it. And, and like I said, nobody ever asked me, what are you doing with this? They were just giving it back to the country, actually. Yes. Yeah, and I, I learned from Jeremy the last day we were here that um, I, I always assumed that you would take seeds from an apple mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, yeah. and plant the <coughs> seed, but no, he told me you take cuttings. Yeah, I, I actually had to teach myself to how to do it. I, I taught myself from a book how to graft, yes. how to graft apple trees. <coughs> and yeah, and just about the sharing thing, we, we had the newsletter out at that stage, and I remember writing a, a thing in the newsletter about you know my success rate with grafting, which was about 30%. And some guy in England read it. And he came over, flew, came over at his own expense, brought himself and his wife, got the car, drove on the ferry, came over here and gave me a lesson in grafting. Very good. Yeah, and he yeah. was, he was a, he had one tree in his back garden that had 120 varieties on it. <laughs> <laughs> on <laughs> the one tree? Apple, no, apple lunatic, you know, and, and there's lots of them out there. There's lots of people who are totally into apples. Yes. And, he, you know, his, his big mission in life was to go to... Um, the Tension Mountains, in the Tension in the Mountains, Mountains, which yeah. is the home of the apple. Yes. And he he got there eventually. He was in his seventies, and he got there because he wrote wasn't told to suppose. So you can have a number of varieties on the one tree. Yes, you can have. Yeah, I have. We when well before we moved, I had I had one up in the last place, and I had seven varieties on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Tommy, Tommy would say you were obviously a huge backup to Anita. Um, both coming here obviously and and in developing seed savers and you had to combine your own musical career with that yeah 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 no we, ma we managed <laughs> it wasn't easy at times <laughs> because so you were you were obviously traveling a lot i was traveling a lot yeah i was yeah traveling a lot a, hu a huge amount back in those days i mean i remember doing 320 gigs one year you know so we, yeah, there was a lot, lot, a lot, a lot of travelling, but we managed. We managed. I think we managed. I don't think. I'm not too sure how our kids think, but, but yeah. we, <laughs> we We were telling. We were telling our son uh, Joe, who's 30 now, uh, that we were coming and you were going to interview us, and he said, "Does he want to hear what what the children think?" <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> There's probably a separate interview. Absolutely, exactly. totally. But yeah, no, we did. We managed, and, and it was very tough at times. I mean, uh, as I said, it was it was. Uh, the, I mean, I was the chairman here for twenty four years, so there was constant board meetings, and there was constant, you know, as happens in all organisations, yes. constant amount of stuff going on. Yes, uh, we won't elaborate, but yeah. So it was so yeah. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glad I'm not doing it though. <laughs> I love coming here, and I love you know taking part in the odd meeting and things and and talking about the history and what we what we've done and so people don't be reinventing the wheel but i'm glad i'm not involved in the day-to-day -day but i suppose the the what bureaucracy that's associated with something it can take from the enthusiasm as well it can it can drain you a little bit actually though i think what's amazing here because there's just something in it you know the managers are only taking on that you know kind of thankless job because they're kind of passionate about it as well. And the people who work here are the and same. And the people who yeah. work here are the same. You know, people uh, don't earn a, a good enough wage here. And they never did. And yet they were willing to do it. Um, and th that's something that really has to change 
all over. You know yes. that farmers and growers and people here and people who feed people and support the, the basis of life are properly remunerated now. Yes. You know. No, I mean you have pulled back at this stage from the the day to day work. You've got to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, you you visit occasionally. Yes. But I mean, you obviously retain a huge interest in absolutely an enthusiasm for the place. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a gratitude, actually, yeah. a huge gratitude. Yes. All those people, and what's really interesting is every single person that's come has left their mark, and and maybe me and Tommy are the only ones who see it because we've seen all of those things. Everybody brings kind of a unique quality, you know. Yes. It's interesting. I know. Yeah. What are, What are your um, uh, feelings about the place now? Uh, you know, I suppose looking back as from the time when it was a, it was a, a product of your enthusiasm back in the in the late eighties. Um, what are your, we'll say, positive feelings in relation to Irish seed savers in twenty twenty two? Well, I think I think Tommy and I always knew what it was because we'd seen it in the States. You know, it, it, we we knew its potential, actually. And uh, we often said, oh, this won't reach its potential for 50 years. But, you know, it's reached its potential to keep moving forward in 30 years. And I think, you know, the, the fact that, that that seed bank and the development of the land I'm in complete awe of the people who've done it, actually, because I know how hard they've worked and, um, yeah, the commitment that they have. I'm just really grateful. It's very humbling, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, and the place looks amazing. You know, it's really yeah, it's does. beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely <coughs> a refuge. You so know? You're, to be fair to say, you're happy with how things have gone. Humbled and thrilled, really. Yeah. Grateful, really <coughs> grateful. Especially having that seed bank. Yes. I think that's that's one of the huge things. That's what that's I think probably the most important part of the, of, of the work. You know, just having having that repository over there, having all those seeds over there. Yeah. And they're and they're still <coughs> learning. And 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 um, Elaine Elaine was just saying to us this morning they're still working on upgrading the the techniques and things in the gene bank. It's it's a never renewing project. It's never finished. Yes, and of course you're in touch with, or the, or they're in touch here with gene banks all over the world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the, you know, hopefully that things that are conserved, you know, will be retained and won't be lost. Yeah, but I mean, I think uh, that's the hope. And, and what's really important about small organizations like this one is, you know, there's the, the giant frozen gene bank in Norway which is melting around it now. Um, there's different gene banks in um, Ukraine. You know that I don't. I don't know what's up to date on what's yeah. happened to those. But is they've oh certainly sorry. been lost in Syria and Lebanon. You know that yeah. things are things can only be as secure. I know gar Dr. Lamb said to me, gardening is a pastime of peace. Yeah. As long as there's peace, these places can flourish. If there's no peace then, you know, what happens to them. There needs to be many of them because there needs to be backups to the backups. Have you uh, a view on where you would like to see this place going or how you would like to see it developing over the next, the, the 20 years that... Uh, yeah, I do, have a, I do have an instinct that what will happen is, you know, maybe in 20 years' time, people who work here will be breeding from the collections here. That it won't be companies coming in and taking seeds and taking them off to, I mean, fair play, you know, 
science has to continue, and, and, but that there'll be a different kind of science here, that there'll be Irish young people who, who also understand the land and understand the seeds and maybe be breeding for the future, that then maybe this is a, kind of a birthing chamber for what's to come that none of us know. Well, listen. That's absolutely brilliant. It's, I've never met. I've never met you before, Anita. I have run into Tommy uh, from time to time. Uh, many thanks for joining us this morning. I mean, it's. I'm in awe any time I see this place because of you know of the work that goes on here, of the importance of the work that goes on here, and uh, you know the atmosphere here as well. It's it's lovely to come here always and have a cup of tea and chat yeah. to people who are all like yourself enthusiasts. Yeah. Um, so congratulations on your work and best wishes for the future for both yourselves and for the project here. And thank you for, for sharing it with, with our neighbours. <laughs> thank you very much. And that's actually, that's something that I think we should mention as well, is that the neighbours around here have always been yeah, <coughs> incredibly supportive and, and, and really wonderful people. You know, Seamus Maloney, who passed away last year, was hugely supportive of this place. You know, hugely. the Grogans, all the all the all the all the farmers on this road have been absolutely wonderful. Okay, yeah. and long may that continue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank Jim. You.